Dwayne, um, come up, bud. We've uh, traveled to Lesotho on many occasions. We've shared ministry. Um, they lead an amazing Church of Jesus up in, in Hilton. Um, they transitioned a couple of years ago, and it's been just a privilege to, to walk with him and Lauren and just to learn and glean from them and also to partner together in two different areas and nations. It's been an absolute privilege. And so this morning, my heart is wide open, and I trust for us as a local church, it's not just a guest speaker or another sermon. This is Jesus wants to deposit something in our hearts that needs to remain and stay and do its work. And so, Lord, we thank you for Dwayne. Thank you for the family. Thank you for the ministry. Thank you for what they do. Um, and, Lord, we thank you for who they are. And this morning, we receive them as a gift, Lord God, in this local church. Have your way, Lord Jesus. We want to see more of you in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, just for the microphone's sake. Good morning, everyone. That's not sanitizer. That was perfume. Well, it's a fantastic privilege to be with all of you. So, yeah, good morning. And uh, Don, you know, thank you so much for the privilege. And what an incredible time in worship. Eh? Thank you. Thank you, team, and, uh, but uh, all the glory goes to the one we're singing about. What an incredible God. And um, yeah, so, Donnie and Renal, we so appreciate you guys. I, I know Lauren would lo love to be here. She's just seeing the younger two, um, I'm setting them downstairs. But um, yeah, I would, uh, I think, I, Lauren and my journey and our family's journey and even our church's journey might be quite different if it wasn't for this couple here. They've been such an amazing gift to us. Donnie and Renal, I know they are to you and uh, they are to us. And uh, we so appreciate you guys and the gift you are to us and, you know, uh, all over. And uh, I know there's, there's lots more to come. And it's a privilege to serve together and, um, yeah. And I mean, also, there's some stories too you must know, right? Hey, hey you know, I mean, should we just move on? Let's move on. You know, A.W. Tozer, um, American preacher, uh, died, I think, in the 60s or something. Um, so he lived a while ago. And he said, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. According to Tozer, what, you, what comes into your mind when you think of God is the most important thing about us. He carries on in his book, um, uh, The Knowledge of the Holy, a classic book. Um, and he writes that history will probably show us that no people has risen higher than its religion. And no man's spiritual history has ever risen higher than its idea of God. Worship, whether low or high, whether right or wrong, is all directly dependent on how the worshiper sees God. And there's something special this morning, and that reveals how the worshipers see God. And he says we all tend by some secret law to move towards our mental image of God and to start to become like that image of God. Isn't that interesting? The most important thing about you is how you see God. What comes into your mind when you think about God? 1 John chapter 3, verse 2, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we, what we will be, what we will become, has not yet been revealed, has not yet appeared, but we know that when He, Jesus, appears, we shall be like Him, because we shall see Him as He is. Something's going to happen incredible with us when we see Jesus face to face and when we are able to comprehend him in a way we've never been able to down here. Something's going to change and we, and, a, and a, like a direct result of us seeing him correctly is we'll become more like him. Isn't that incredible? And so it is so important how we, we see him now, how we think of him and that it's correct. Because whatever we see in, in, in our minds when we think of him is what we are moving towards. I mean, I'm embarrassed, but I remember there was a time when I just thought he was just this, this uh, harsh judge only, you know, just this, 
you know, and I remember treating people like that, you know, I was just, just didn't have grace, I was ungracious and, and cruel, and it was horrible, man, I'm embarrassed, but here we go, I've admitted it, we're moving forward, confession time, and then I had a revelation that the Lord, the Lord, gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love. And immediately my life started to reflect that. As I started to see his love and his grace towards me, I immediately started to move towards that image that I saw of him. And now here's the point is that like how I think of God doesn't change how God is. He is who he is. He is I am who I am. You can't change me by the way you think about me or the way you act. Whether you, you worship me, you don't worship me, doesn't change me. I am God. But it does change us. And it does affect us. And so it is hugely important to us that we see God correctly. And, and so, you know, last couple of years, you know, we've, we've faced some crisis, haven't we? All of us. And uh, there's, a, there's something that can happen in crisis that we can start to kind of diminish our view of God. And we can almost like can get smaller in our minds. He can't get smaller. He is who he is. We can't change who he is. But to us, we can start to think, wow, that went wrong. God can't do that. Or maybe God can't do that. And it's a very dangerous place to be. And so, I mean, we've had um, lockdowns and, and big stress. We've had a, a couple gentlemen um, die of COVID uh, last year, which one of them, a very close friend, you know, it gave us a big fright. You know, there he was preaching the gospel, ministering, and then dies of COVID, you know. And, and, and without knowing and mentally, something can start to happen in your mind. You can start to just you know, kind of make God smaller. And then this, the same gentleman who was close to me, his son ends up uh, being dragged out to sea um, in November and we've never found him. Crisis, crisis hits. What are you going to do? <laughs> and so, I mean, as I'm pondering all of this, you know, and also the 12th of July, you know, moments where I was very afraid, uh, you know, over those next few days. And like, and then I read my Bible and I'm like, no, there's something wrong here. You know, Elijah, Elisha, they, they're surrounded by armies and they're just not afraid. I'm like, there's something wrong with me. And I realize, you know, as I read Toza, it's like, it, it's how I'm seeing God. Elijah, Elisha, they obviously saw God more clearly that they weren't afraid. And I'm not seeing him as clearly. And I, and I read, I read Job. And Job loses everything, and he faces immense crisis, his health, everything's taken away. Everything. Everything is taken. And what was the medicine that God gave him after all his crisis? Was to show Job his greatness. Job, stand up like a man, brace yourself. Oh, you, you, you're full of answers now, Job. You, you're an expert now. Where were you when the ocean was given birth to? When it came out the womb? When the, the, the doors were shut on the ocean? Stay here. Job, where were you when the stars were hung in place? Job, where were you? And he goes on and on. He describes, the Lord describes dinosaurs, I think. Have you tried to take one of those dinosaurs, catch them, and, and plow your fields with them, Job? I'm putting this in my own words now. You won't exactly find that, all right? Job, who gave you wisdom? Who gave the ostrich wisdom? Who are you? Look at me. I love, I love what Job actually says. Job says, you know, God, you hung the earth on nothing. Just your power is immense. You know, you, you put the stars in place. You, you just do incredible things your, with your mighty arm. But even these are just the outskirts of your ways. We've only heard a whisper of your power. We only know a distant thunder of your ways. How's that? These are just the outskirts of your ways. And so Job, 
His medicine was just to see the glory and the greatness of God. Friends, we have all been through crisis in the last little while. I'm here to encourage you and to, and to ask you to just jump back in the Word and allow the Holy Spirit to just take away wrong ideas of God and, and a picture of maybe a smaller God than you don't need and, and, and be in awe of who He is. He is incredible. Amen. Come on. Now. Come on. <laughs> okay, okay, is, has he been assigned to the amening today? Okay, thanks, Marcel. <laughs> Gee, Marcel, Donnie, you're in trouble here, chap. And uh, I, I just, I went and I looked at David, and I, and, I, and I think, what's up with David? Why can he run towards Goliath? Why does he run towards a lion and bear when they steal his sheep? I mean, if it was me, dead. A lion came and, and stole like 20 sheep. But don't worry, I'm fine. I, I ran away. <laughs> I'm like, what's up with David? Why does he see so differently? And it's clear. I start reading with the idea of like, how does he see God? And he tells Saul, God delivered me from lion and bear. He will deliver me from the, this hand of this Philistine. And I look at David's life as, as everything goes pear-shaped. And, he, you know, the Lord promises you're going to be king. And now he's living in a cave. And he has a chance to diminish God in his thinking and, 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 and look at a smaller God, but he doesn't. And I know this because he has a chance to kill Saul and become king, to help God, to help a smaller God who's, who's struggling to fulfill his promise. Oh God, you don't know how to fulfill your promise. Let me help you. I'll kill Saul and let me just help you. You need a bit of my help here. No, David keeps a big view of God. He knows God doesn't need my help. I will trust you, Lord. You are doing a good thing. I will wait for you. You know better than I know. David is seeing a massive God. I will wait for you. My life looks like it's going wrong now, but I trust you because you are God and your ways are higher than mine. Your, your ways are perfect. Your idea is better than my idea. I will trust and I'll wait for you to work. I, I, that's how I know David kept this big view of God. And then when crisis hits again and his whole family are kidnapped, and his men, and they cry and they cry. What a crisis until they've got no strength left to cry with. And it says he encouraged himself in the Lord. I know. I don't exactly know how he encouraged himself, but I, I'm having a few guesses this morning, if that's okay. I know David was a worshiper. You know, one way we see God is to be worshipers. He dwells on the praises of his people. We lift up his name. We declare who he is. And we sing aloud. There's something powerful when that happens. And I can just imagine David going there and pulling out one of his psalms. And, uh, you know, very discouraged. No strength. No energy. Praise him, heavens and all that summer. Sounding a bit like a cowboy there. Praise him. Let the whole earth praise him. Great in power. Great in glory. Great in mercy. King of heaven. Great in battle. Great in Zion. Forget the words now. King over all the earth. I can just imagine as he, as he starts to worship, he starts to see God. This man who has no strength left to cry with is starting to get a bit of a, a spring in his step. There's some energy. God, the, great, the one who's great in battle. I remember the great things you've done. You, brought, uh, you put the Egyptians at the bottom of the ocean. You closed the ocean over them. You are God. He starts to see God as he starts to worship. He encourages himself in the Lord. He goes back to his men. Come on, men, let's go. Let's go find our families and let the Lord, who is great in battle, bring a great victory to them. No, no, David, we're going to kill you. We're so, like, it's so bad. He goes back to God. God, should we go? Yes, go. Come, guys, I'm serious. God has said it twice. We should go. All right, David, we'll go with you if you insist. And there's a great victory. Would there have been a victory if there was no one who was seeing God? Seeing God in his greatness. 
Hey, friends. I don't want to prophesy this, but 2022 may be very hard. I was reading last night. Oaks are talking World War III. I'm not prophesying that. Don't, don't take me. But there's some serious stuff going down. The world needs a church who know their God, who see their God. Jesus promised us that it's going to get hard. There's going to be crazy things. But I'm telling you this, he says, that you can take heart. I have overcome. See me. And no, I can do anything. I can bring victory. Uh, You know, I don't need a good circumstance for your life to flourish. Your life can flourish if the whole world is going badly, if you will honor me. Friends, see God. Let your thinking come in line with him. Um, Donnie, how long have I got you? Until what time here, bro? Thank you so much. Yes. <laughs> Please open your Bibles to Judges chapter 2. Uh, you might regret that later, but thank you. Thank you for that. <laughs> Judges chapter 2. And I'm reading from verse 6 and verse 15. This has been some of my reading in the last few weeks has been through Judges and uh Yo, it's just been, I've just had such an incredible time just seeing this. And this is the end of Joshua's life. And, and Joshua says to everyone at the end of his life, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. But you guys decide. And uh, kind of from strong leadership of Moses and Joshua, they kind of tends to this thing. And, and they keep saying through, through judges, and uh, there was no king in Israel. And everybody did what he saw fit. <laughs> They served the Lord the way they thought he should be served. We're actually, there's a correct way to serve. We, we do need leadership. We do need a king. And, and Jesus is our king, you know. And seeing him correctly, you know, would keep us from the kind of things we see in Judges. Um, but it says here in verse 6 of chapter 2 in Judges, after, a Josh, after Joshua had dismissed the Israelites, they went to take possession of their land and each to their own inheritance. And the people served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and the elders who outlived him and who had seen all the great things the Lord had done for Israel. And Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110, and they buried him in the land of his inheritance at timnath Heres in the hill country of Ephraim, north of Mount Gash. After the whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done in Israel. This is a terrible line right there. There, there rose another generation who, who grew up, who knew, who knew neither the Lord nor what he'd done for Israel. I'm just thinking there as I'm reading this. I'm thinking, what, what were the parents thinking? What were the parents thinking? Not telling the stories. Not telling their kids about the Lord. And then I think, what are we thinking? What am I thinking? Am I I letting Hollywood and TV do all the talking in our house? Are we sitting around the table and telling stories? This is what the Lord has done. This is what God done. Hear the Bible stories and, and read the word. And this is who the Lord is. And this is what he's like. And then even giving some of our own stories of what he's done in our lives. Do our children know the miracles he's done in our lives? And then there's another question that even goes before this. Have you got stories of what the Lord's done in your life? Or do you just know him secondhand? Do you have your own stories? Man, we were in trouble. We called on the Lord. Then this miraculous thing happened, and we just saw the hand. Do you have those stories, friend? If you don't, call on him today. Say, Lord, I want to know you. I remember listening to guys tell stories of, of what God had done for them. And I said, Lord, I feel like I know you like a grandchild. I know you secondhand. I want my own stories. I want to know you myself. Friends, I've got lots of stories. The Lord wants you to have your own stories. Stories you can pass on to your children. Stories that even include them. And verse 11, Then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. They served the Baals, the idols. And they forsook the Lord and the God of their ancestors who had brought them out of Egypt. And they followed and worshipped various gods of the peoples around them. And they aroused the Lord's anger. And because they 
forsook him and served the Baal and the Ashtoreths, his anger against Israel. Um, in his anger against Israel, the Lord gave them into the hands of the raiders who plundered them, and he sold them into the hands of their enemies all around. And they were no longer able to resist. Whenever Israel went out to fight, the hand of the Lord was against them to defeat them, just as he had sworn to them. And they were in great distress. You know, friends, sometimes we look back and we think, what were these guys thinking with their idols? But we're not that different. Idols can be anything. It doesn't have to be a little wooden carving in your house. It could be money. It could be sport. It could be music. It could be your children. It could be your husband or your wife. It could be your job. It could be... It could be anything that you are giving a higher place than it deserves. There's only one who deserves the highest place in our life, and that is the Lord God. And anything else that takes that place in our life is an idol. And so unfortunately, we, just like the Israelites in Judges, we do the same thing. I've done it. Lord, forgive me. You know, a way we can think about what is my idol is, is where's your time going? Where's the majority of your time going? When you can choose, where does it go? When you can choose, where does your money go? Where do your thoughts go when you've got a gap? Or if your house caught on fire, what would you grab and take out first? Yeah, please don't say, right? Yeah, and if you all say Bible, I'm going to go, yeah, all right, let's just, I'm just, I'm just kidding. Let's uh, fast forward to Judges chapter 6. It's a little bright. I'm struggling to read my own Bible next to it. The people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord gave them into the hand of Midian for seven years. And the hand of Midian overpowered Israel. And because of Midian, the people of Israel made for themselves dens that are in the mountains and the caves and the strongholds. For whenever the Israelites planted crops, the Midianites and the, and the Amalekites and the people of the east would come up against them and they would encamp against them and devour the produce of the land as far as Gaza and leave no sustenance in Israel and no sheep or ox or donkey for they would come up with their livestock and their tents and they would come like locusts in number. Both they and their camels could not be counted and they laid waste the land as they came. And Israel was brought very low because of Midian. And the people of the Lord cried to the Lord for help. I mean, how low must that be? You know, you're working hard to build up and people just come and destroy. And you try and build up and they just come and they destroy. They build. I mean, that must be heartbreaking. Like, where's the hope? Where's the hope? And, uh, and, they, and so, thankfully, they cry out on the, to the name of the Lord. And this is what the Lord does. When the people cried out to the Lord on account of the Midianites, the Lord sent a prophet to the people of Israel. And he said to them, thank the Lord, he sends his message. He sends his word, his prophets. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I led you up out of Egypt and I brought you to the house of slavery. Out of the house of slavery. Not to the house, sorry. This just changes the message quite a bit, just slightly. You see what God is doing? He's reminding them of who he is and what he's done. Look back. Look what I've done. Look who I am in your lives. Look back. You seem to have forgotten. And, uh, and thus says the Lord, the God of Israel. Uh, I read that already. <laughs> this is going so well. I delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians and from the hand of all who oppressed you and drove them out before you and, I, and gave you their land. And I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Ah am the Lord your, I am your God. Why are you going after other gods? Why have you got idols? Why, why are you going after money and self and, and Hollywood's ideas and, and all the other things? They can't provide for you. They can't protect you. They promised you, but they won't. I am your God. I will protect you. 
I will give you hope in a future. I am your God. You shall not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But you have not obeyed my voice. And now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth at uh, Oprah Winfrey, and which belonged to Joash the Abizrite, while his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress to hide it from the, the Midianites. So there was Gideon hiding in a winepress. And this is what happens, friends, when, when we don't keep God as our God, when, when, when we allow other things to take His place in our life. You know, God's plan for us was always the nations of the world. My glory will cover the whole earth. Go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. He says to Abraham, look at the stars in the sky. So will your impact be. So will your descendants be. So will your children be. It's wide as the sky. My plans for you are big. But, but when we leave the Lord God and we, and we try and make a plan and we, and we put other things in His place and we get caught up in the culture of the world, the culture of the day, our, our lives get smaller and smaller, our thinking gets smaller and smaller, and eventually just doing normal things in life, like, like uh, doing the grain, doing the wheat. What was he doing? What's that word? Grinding. Grinding the wheat. He's hiding in a wine press. Suddenly you can't see, you're in a, you're in a hole. Friends, when, when, we, when we let go of the bigness of God and God is our God, our lives get smaller, our thinking gets smaller, and we don't see the vista that He's got for us. We don't see the wide skies and the great future He's got for us. It just gets smaller and smaller. And we, we struggle to see a hope. We, we struggle to see what the next week looks like, never mind the next five years. But friends, when, we, when God is our God, yo, the dreams are just, there's, just too, there's no little time for all the dreams we've got. And just the plans He has, just grab a hold of us, like get us up in the morning. And we, you know what I'm talking about? God's doing okay. Come on. I mean, Marcel just got a bit quiet there. Thanks, Marcel. I just wondered. Maybe, you know, the Oprah Winfrey thing got everyone's minds lost. I don't know. And this is what the, and then the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon and said, the angel of the Lord, you know, there's times the Bible talks about an angel, Gabriel or Michael, but, but this time it's talking about the angel of the Lord, which I believe is speaking of the Lord. The way they talk about it is the Lord. When an angel came, they would bow before the angel to get up. I'm not to be worshipped. But the angel of the Lord would receive worship. This is the Lord. I, I would think probably Jesus before uh, in his flesh. This is. Almighty God standing before Gideon. And this is what he says to him. The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, then why has all this happened to us? And, why, and where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted us, saying, did the Lord not bring us from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Egypt. I mean, isn't this just typical of us humans? I mean, this is Gideon speaking. These are the guys who've, who've stopped serving the Lord. They've got idols at home. They've got idols at home. They're not serving God. They, they've got other things in his place. And now suddenly, like, where are you, God? Where have you been? Look at all the bad stuff that's happening. I mean, this is so typical of us. We see it on social media. You know? The Lord says, listen to me. If you don't listen, I'm, I love you, so I'm telling you what to do. Because if you don't do this, it's going to go really badly for you. Oh, my apologies. I should have listened. I should have listened. Sorry. <laughs> I practiced that a lot. Did it, did, it, did it fall right? Yeah. Fantastic. It's like, listen to me, I was going to go badly. And, and then like, no, Lord, it's okay. We got this. Like, uh, you know, it's 2022. We'd like, it's old stuff. Lord, it's going so badly. Where are you? You can't be real. If all this bad stuff's happening in the world, surely you, you can't exist. That's the kind of fantastic thinking we hear from professors today. It's ridiculous. I just find this amazing. He's got idols at home. He's got idols. I don't, I don't read here 
He might have been, but it doesn't say here that Gideon was having a quiet time. It doesn't say that he was about to break his fast. It doesn't say he was worshipping or calling on the name of the Lord. And yet the Lord came to him. I just find that amazing. He's got idols at home. You know, like surely he's got to have it all right before God comes to him. But, but that is who the Lord is. That is who he is. Friends, he did not wait for us to call him, but he let us hear his voice calling us by name. He says in Isaiah, I will be known by people who don't even look for me. I will be found by people who don't even come and find me. I will come to you. Why? Because of who he is. He's just incredible. Even when we've got it wrong at home, even when we've got idols at home, even when he's not fully our Lord, he came to us. It's just incredible. That's my experience. And that's what he's, he does for you. He's not waiting for you to get it all right. He's coming to you because he loves you. He's got a plan for you. And because of who he is, he is gracious. the same time he's God and he's like he says to Gideon go home and deal with the idols cut them down and we'll read that in a moment like get your life right I love you but he's not waiting for us to get it all right this is how we know what love is that while we were sinners he died for us friends it's not like something inside of me that he looks at and goes I'm gonna save Dwayne there's nothing in you that he's waiting for, okay, that's it. I'm going to save you. Like, I love, I'm, I'm going to die for you. He died for us because of who he is. And we get to obey and make him Lord and enjoy the benefit of that, or we get to have idols and, and lose out on the benefit. But I just, his grace is amazing, right? This is the Lord's response to him when he, like, well, where have you been? Where have, you know? <laughs> Incredible. He says, I will be with you. No, I've got to go a little bit higher. Sorry. And the Lord said to him, go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Did I not send you? And he said to him, please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, I will be with you, and you shall strike the Midianites as one man. And he said to him, if I have found favor in your eyes, then show me a sign that it is you speak to me. Please don't depart from me. And uh, he, he goes out and he, and he prepares food, which is not fast food. He's literally killing an animal, cooking it, stewing it, bringing it. And he brings it. And the Lord says, put it on the rock. And he touches it, and it just... Disappears in fire. Acceptable offering to the Lord. And then he, he tells Gideon to go and deal with these idols. And, and, and Gideon does. And friends, when we have a revelation of God, we'll start to deal with things in our lives. And here's, here's the way to do it. When he puts his finger on something, just obey. He tells Gideon what to do. Take down the Asherah and the Baals. Take them down. And he does it. He obeys. There is such a blessing in obeying. When he puts his finger on something in your life, obey. And do it boldly. Because there's great victory coming for you. And so, what I find amazing here is that... Um, in verse 22, then Gideon perceived that this was the angel of the Lord when um, the, the food was consumed and the Lord vanished from his sight. And Gideon perceived there was an angel of the Lord and he said, Alas, O Lord God, for now I've seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, Peace be to you. Do not fear. You shall not die. And then Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and he called it, The Lord is Peace. And to this day it stands at Ophrah, which belongs to the bees' rights. And I, and I find this amazing that, that, that uh, Gideon's takeout out of this encounter with the Lord God, his encounter with the Lord, his takeout from this moment is not like, wow, wow, the Lord is with us. That wasn't like the biggest thing that he just kept thinking about. That wasn't his biggest takeout. It wasn't, I am a mighty man of valor. 
You thought I was the least friends in the, in the clans, in my family. But I am the mighty man. That wasn't his takeout out of his encounter with the Lord. It wasn't. His, his takeout out of the encounter wasn't even, friends, we've been living under the Midianites. Now we're going to be free. Hallelujah. That wasn't even his biggest takeout. His biggest takeout was, the Lord is peace. In other words, I've seen the Lord and he's not going to kill me. The Lord's not going to kill me. He's at peace with me. You know, what did Gideon see? He, he saw holy God. He just came face to face like, like Isaiah. He sees the Lord high and lifted up, seated on the throne, glorious, the train of his robe, filling the temple. And as he has this encounter with the Lord, he's had a ministry before this, and his whole ministry has been, woe to you, woe to you, woe to you. And suddenly he sees the Lord God high and lifted up, and suddenly he's like, woe is me, for I have seen the Lord God, and I'm a man of unclean lips. You know, when, when we see him, we just realize we, we just don't have this together. We just fall so short. We are just not pure enough. We're not right enough. We, like we're nowhere near. And friends, Jesus has done this. That we can boldly approach the throne of grace because of the great exchange that he took our sin and our unclean lips and our unclean hearts and everything wrong about us and all our sin and our shame and all the wrath that that deserved. And he took it on the cross. Christ, who knew no sin, became sin. It was my sin on that cross. Oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole was nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O oh my soul. And not just that, but Christ gave His righteousness to us, to me. And so what is the, the outcome of that? Friends, the Lord is at peace with us. Like we need to be amazed. Like when we see God in His holiness, if we have an encounter of who He is, we will be amazed like Gideon was that we're not going to die. That he's at peace with us. We don't always think about it, but it's a miracle. It's a miracle that he's at peace with us in Jesus. Because he's amazing. He's pure. He's holy. He's above. He's, he's right. He, he's, just, he's just incredible. You know, I've just been, you know, in the, in the last few weeks, this, you know, with this journey that, I, that I'm going on, I, I've just been like, Lord, I want to know you more. I want to see you more. And, and we look at his attributes, you know, who he is. You know, he's all-knowing. He's all-powerful. You know, he's, he's all-loving. I have experienced his love. I, I remember a time when, like, I was so disappointed and so discouraged. And, like, I've been serving the Lord. I was saying, Lord, what's the point of serving you? I was complaining to a friend. I was on a way to a meeting. I'm like, what's the point of serving you, Lord? What's the point of serving you? I give everything. I give everything, and then these things keep happening, these bad things, like, Lord, where are you? And I'm complaining, and my friend's like, and I knew I could complain to him because he's a mature believer, and he's going to say, hey, the Lord is good, and he's going to give me the right stuff, you know. He's going to give me medicine, show me the greatness of God. He said, chap, just, the Lord's got you, the Lord's got you. He's like, don't be discouraged, the Lord's got you. And, and it was encouraging to me, but it was also good for me just to speak it. Just pour out my complaint before the Lord and, and with a mature brother. And, and, uh, and then we get to the meeting and we're worshiping and, we, and we're just singing and praises to the Lord. And someone grabs the mic and says, you say, what's the point of serving me when this goes wrong and that goes wrong and that goes wrong? But I say, you are my treasured possession. Friends, I know the Lord's love. I know the Lord's love. He's picked me out of crowd and told me, you're my treasured possession. I know his love. But guess what? I don't know his love. You know, in my own garden, I, I've walked around and I've looked at the flowers and, and the, the grass blades. I have not inspected every gray, a blade of grass. I have not inspected every flower. I have not even seen all of them. In my own back garden, I've been to different places in the world, but I've only seen so much in the countries I've been to. There, there is so much more I haven't seen. And then if we leave this earth and we go into the universe, there's so much I haven't seen. And who created it? God Almighty. And who is He? He is love. Friends, I'm telling you, in terms of 
I do know the love of God, but it's like in my back garden, I've looked at a few flowers and I've been amazed. But there is a universe of his love that I have not seen. I have not comprehended. Who can comprehend his great love? That's what Paul's saying in Ephesians 3. Pray for power, the Holy Spirit, that you might know the height and the depth and the length and the breadth of his love. And that you be filled with all the fullness of God. He is huge. He's incredible. He's massive. Friends, be in awe of him. Be amazed by him. Gideon had this take out, the Lord is peace. I, I love the story of Hagar in Genesis. And, and she gets sent out by Abraham and, and Sarah um, with her son. And she gets sent out and, and off they go. And she's crying, we're going to die. And she tells her boy to stay under the tree and she goes a little way away because she doesn't want to see her boy die or him to see her die. And the Lord speaks to her and says, there's an oasis. There's water in the desert, streams in the wasteland. There it is. The Lord has heard your cry. The Lord has heard you. And she has this revelation. She has this encounter of the Lord. She sees something of him. And you know what her take out is? Isn't the Lord heard me? She says, the Lord who sees. The Lord has seen me. Friends, I've had my own experiences where I just had a revelation. Wow, you're the God who sees. He's the God who sees. You know, Abraham and, and people through the Bible had different revelation, encounters with God, who he is, you know. He's the El Shaddai. He's the Lord God, Almighty. He's the El Elyon. He's the Most High God. Genesis 14. Genesis 15 is Adonai. He's the Lord. He's Master. He's Master. He's Jehovah. He's the Lord, my banner. Exodus 17, when... when um, Moses lifted his hands in obedience to the Lord. Joshua won the victory. When his hands fell down, they, you know, and he, they, he just lifted up his hands to the Lord. And he declared after that the encounter, the revelation of who God is. The Lord is the banner. The Lord is our banner over us. The banner of victory over us, over our enemies. Victory belongs to the Lord. The Lord is my shepherd, Genesis 48. Jacob's revelation at the end of his long life and finding uh, Joseph, his son, after many years thinking he was dead. It's almost like his son rose again from the dead, you know, prophesying to Jesus. And this is his take out at the end of his life. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord. And David picks up on that in Psalm 23. Yo, I have everything I need. Couldn't see it at the time. But when I, when I get to the end and I look back, wow. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He's the Lord that heals, Exodus 15. God said, I am your healer. The Lord is there, Israel 48. The Lord is our righteousness, Jeremiah 23. Prophesying of Jesus and the work he would do. He is our righteousness. There's nothing lacking in your righteousness if he is the one who's seated at the right hand of the Father. And if his name is Jesus, there's nothing lacking in your righteousness today. You can boldly approach the throne of grace. And the Lord is at peace with you. He's the everlasting God. He's, he's the jealous one. Why, why jealous? Well, you know, we sometimes battle with why is God jealous? You know, is there a bit of a problem? No, we're thinking creature thoughts. We are created. He's uncreated. For us to be jealous is wrong. For him to be jealous is right. If you're God, then everything belongs to you and you know it's right that everything should come to you. Or glory, honor, power belongs to you. The credit belongs to you because you did everything. But if you're a creature and, you, and you're taking power and glory, it doesn't belong to you. It's wrong. It's wrong for you to be jealous for anything because we don't deserve anything. Everything we've been given good is just a gift. It's wrong for us to be jealous. But for him to be jealous is right. He is God. You know, sometimes guys will, you know, when you're talking about who God is and his greatness, they might talk about the, the seven attributes or the five attributes about God. I like John Wesley. He wrote to him and he talks about your attributes are thousands. There's a difference here. Uh, Wesley wasn't counting. He was worshiping, which I think is how we're supposed to do it. We're supposed to be in awe of God. 
Friends, he's truth, he's love, he's faithful, he's all-powerful, he's all-knowing, he's all-present, he's, he's all-good, he's just, he's gracious, he's compassionate, he's slow to anger, he's abounding in love, he, he's just incredible, he's the righteous judge, and he can be the righteous judge because of who he is. You know, he, you know, when it comes to my life, when judging my life, he doesn't need a witness. Why? Because he was there, he saw what I did, he saw what I said, he heard what I said, rather. Does he need to ask me, what were you thinking when you said that? I'm not quite sure I understand. He doesn't need that. He's all-knowing. He knows the words of my mouth before they even reach the tongue. He knows the, the meditation of my heart. He knows what I'm thinking even better than I know myself. He knows it all. That's why he can be the righteous judge. He's so powerful. He's so strong. You know, he, he's not a walkover. He's mighty in battle. His enemies know him as terrible. You know, David's picture of God, you know, from the... You know, smoke comes out his nostrils and fire from his mouth. And he, he touches the mountains and they smoke. I mean, I just, I just imagine like God touches a mountain and it's just a volcano. He's powerful. He's almighty. And because he's that strong and his arm is not too short to save, he can be faithful. Because there's nothing that you will face that he can't save you in. And because he's fully loving, you can trust his faithfulness because he's going to be faithful. He's not going to be a day where he's a bit off. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so all his attributes are all one attribute. It's not like he has different parts. He's one God. They're all together. And because of that, he's just incredible beyond what we can imagine. And that's who Gideon comes face to face with. And that's who we get to serve, friends. Ah. I was just going to do such a terrible job this morning just to try and describe how great he is. I'm not, none of us are going to come anywhere near. None of us are ever going to worship loud enough or well enough for what he deserves. But something changes in Gideon. He, comes, he encounters Almighty God and something changes. He has a man who's willing to swim upstream in the culture. He's willing to cut down the household gods, go against the culture of his own family. The Lord will be my God. And then they gather the men together and they go to war. But there's too, there's too many of them. And they start whittling down in number. So less and less and less. God doesn't need many. He just needs those who are fully His. He can do amazing things. He's just looking for a person. A person willing to obey. Willing to get rid of the gods in their life. Willing to see God for who He is and to obey Him. And what an incredible victory God brings. God tells him what to do. And they don't raise a sword against the enemy. In fact, it's this beautiful trick that God plays on the enemy. And it's not what something Gideon thought. Gideon just obeyed. You can imagine. They surround the enemy. The thousands and thousands. Just, but just 300 of them go on the mountainside at night. They crack these jars. Imagine the sound that's heard in the still and the quiet of the night as these armies are sleeping in the valley crack of these jars and these jars hit the ground a big crack and suddenly shouting for the Lord and for Gideon and suddenly as they crack these jars torches are seen suddenly these guys hear sounds maybe they thought it was horses I don't know what they thought but they thought there was much more than just the 300 and they thought they must be here amongst us and they start killing each other and a great victory is won without them without them the battle is the Lord's friends can I assure you something you're going to face some battles in 2022. The Lord wants to fight your battles. I want to encourage you, as the Lord puts his finger on things in your life, be radical and obey. Obey. See him for who he is. Worship him. Lord, would you just open our minds and... and our hearts to see your greatness, to realize you're bigger than we, we will ever know, and just to be in awe and amazed by you. Friends, where Lord is call, the Lord is calling you and the victories that he wants to bring in your life and through you, you need to see a great God. You need to see a mighty God. Friends, the best days of city life are ahead. They're not behind, they are ahead. 
I mean, how weird must it have felt for, for uh, Gideon when they had 20,000 and then the Lord says, send some of them away, send some of them away. It's getting smaller and smaller. How weird must it have felt? The Lord won a victory for the whole nation. There are big things coming. I know it. But it is going to take a group of people who see an almighty God. And when he speaks, to dare to believe it and to obey and to say yes to him and to say yes to him. You might have written yourself off for whatever reason. The Lord hasn't written you off. Say yes to him. See him. See him. Fear him. Honor him. We're going to see mighty things, mighty victories. Believe it. Can we stand together? Just allow this to settle on us. Uh, Mary, will you guys get up, please? I was trying to pray for us. And I know we do this at the end of... <laughs> When we share the word of God and there's revelation, then we say, Lord, please, please come and let this settle on us. But I know God has been speaking clearly to me through this, speaking clearly to some of us here. And uh, we are going to worship, but I'm going to ask Dwayne to pray for us. And I'm, I'm just opening my heart and, and saying, Lord, yes, to some of these things that you've, you've spoken over us. So Dwayne, pray for us and then we'll sing. Johnny, if it's all right, I just, I almost feel like the Lord is calling and if he's touching something on your heart, it might be, Lord, I'm sorry, I have, I've been dumbing you down in my mind. I've been seeing you as smaller than I should have. It might be that. It might be I'm feeling you calling and, and I'm saying yes. It, it might be I haven't committed my life to you. I'm my Lord and Master. I want you to be my Master. I want, there might be any response to something the Lord's done. And I feel like you've got to make a physical response this morning. And you might want to come to the front. You might just want to go into the aisle. But I just feel before him, let's respond before him. And let's give ourselves to him, uh, even as we pray now. So why don't you do that if, if uh, the Lord's just touching your heart this morning. Oh, God. Lord, you are great. You are glorious. There is none like you. Would you take your place, Lord? Forgive us where we haven't seen you for who you are, Lord. Forgive us where, Lord, we, we, we've presented a small God by the way we've thought or by the way we've lived, God, or, or by our actions, God, or how we've worshipped or how we've honored you, Lord. Forgive us, Lord, where we've lived in fear instead of just fear of you and then of nothing else, God. Lord, help us. Give us revelation of you, Father. Revelation of you comes from you, Father. Would you reveal your son to us? Would you reveal yourself to us, your glory, your, your goodness? We want to see more of you, God. We want to be a people who live with the greatness of God in mind. We want to be a people who live in boldness and courage, knowing who our God is, Lord. We want to be people with big dreams, Lord, who live big lives because of our big God. Lord, we don't want to be small. We don't want to be small, thinking people hiding in a wine press, God. God, we pray, Lord. Open our hearts, open our minds, Lord. Open our thoughts, God. Meet with us, God. Encounter us, Lord. Lord, we don't just want secondhand stories, Lord. We want our own stories of you. We want your own stories of your faithfulness, of your mighty hand, of your love, of your voice in our lives, of encounters with you, God, of miracles, God, of how you used us for, for victory and salvation, God. We want our own stories, Lord. Every single one of us, Lord. The kids downstairs, Every one of us, Lord, meet with us, we pray. Meet with us, we pray, Lord. Oh, God, just commit city life to you, Lord. Would you have your way, God? Would you have your way, Lord? Your dreams, Lord. What you have in mind. The DNA, Lord. We thank you for it, Lord. We thank you for a future. A future as wide as skies, God. A future impacting many, God. 
future of your kingdom come, Lord. A future of your kingdom here, God. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, this morning uh, for your words. Lord, I just sense in our hearts, we're saying yes, Lord, we want to obey. Even the simple things you're putting your finger on in our lives right now, each one of us individually, for us as a local church, saying yes, Lord, have your way, have your way, Lord.
Yellow shake and tremble. Yellow chains will break. Cause we sing holy. Holy is your name. So, Lord, we speak that name. We're bold. Right now, things are shaking. Chains are breaking, Lord. The name of Jesus. Come on, let's just worship him, friends, this morning. A little while longer, Lord. The earth will shake. The earth will shake and tremble before Him. Chains will break. We sing, holy is Your name, Lord. Holy is the name of Jesus, Jesus. The earth will shake. Let's sing it this morning, Lord. The earth will shake and tremble who chains will break we sing holy is your name Thank you, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. thank you this morning for your presence we thank you for your name thank you for your word lord thank you for who you are thank you for your faithfulness lord we feel this morning that lord god you've equipped us you've strengthened us you've given us courage lord for the future lord we've declared it we've sung it we've spoken it but lord also there's a decision in our hearts to continue to walk in it And so as we go from this place, Lord, we thank you. We'll be those people, Lord, who speak your name, who believe, Lord God, there's power. Believe, Lord God, you are who you say you are. In the name of Jesus this morning, Lord. I pray this morning, Lord, uh, just earlier on, Renal was just saying she felt there's someone really struggling with anxiety. Fear, I know we've sung these words, we've, we've, we've spoken these things, but if that's you in your heart just right now, would you allow God just to touch you right now? No longer a slave of fear, 
Allow Jesus to bring that release. Bring that freedom. Bring that liberty. Maybe it's about the future. Maybe it's about you. It doesn't matter. His name over our lives. We love you, Jesus. We worship you, Lord. So grateful to you. Thank you, Dwayne. Outstanding. We'll see you this afternoon at 4. Please hang around. There is coffee. If you're comfortable outside, you can hang outside. We're inside. God bless you. Thank you, Lauren, Dwayne, Tyler. Appreciate you guys so much. Have an amazing day. We'll see you at 4. Awesome. Thank you. I'm changed by grace I will